much love. Il était temps. Dans une minute, j'aurai besoin d'un sentimental homme-femme pour me pomper. Messageuse, je marche dans mes Balenciennes pour ressortir le fabuleux. Parle, j'en ai trop à foutre. J'ai besoin de shots dans ma tasse. It's episode 14, <laughs> season 4 of Ravage Love. Hi, Julie. Hello. <laughs> Oh, hello, Renee. Thank you for blessing the masses with dirty French Izzo, Lizzo. We, oh God, you are a gift to all of us. in my head all week, oh. all week. This version, like, just stuck there. Incredible, incredible. Well, friends, friends of the pod, we are continuing on with our <laughs> Anne Rice trilogy, which we told you was a trilogy. And which yeah. we are mm -hmm. leading you to believe ends here today. But oh no, Anne has more. Yes, Ugh. there are actually four books in the Sleeping Beauty <laughs> trilogy, which is now the Sleeping Beauty Quartet. The fourth <sighs> book came out in 2015. So 30 years after the last book in the trilogy, uh... Fifty Shades was fully popping off, so I imagine that's part of the reason why she decided to revisit it. But yes, we are unfortunately here to tell you <laughs> that the saga continues for two more episodes. Yeah. I found out completely by accident um, because I was on Goodreads. I wanted to know how many pages were in this book, so I was like, it just won't end. <laughs> and then I saw, it was like Beauty's Kingdom, and I was like, pardon me? <laughs> and then I texted you and you were like, yeah, there's a fourth one. I was like, what do you mean there's a fourth one? And I, my son was nearby and I remember I just like threw my head back and I was like, no, <laughs> like I was so upset. Um, but it's, yeah, it's what, 30 years later, 20 years, 30 later? years later. Yeah. So 30 years later. So, yeah. And a lot will have changed between, you know, not just her as a person 30 years later, but also the culture You know, some of the stuff in these first three books were very controversial, very edgy, um, but, you know, would not be as edgy in 2015. So I wonder, you know, I have a lot of questions. I'm actually probably more excited. I was excited to read the first one because it's so iconic. And then when it was shit, I was just excited for it to be over. But now I'm actually excited again because I'm really curious to hear... And to think, yeah, to see what the 2015 version of it is. But today we are presenting you <laughs> with what was initially intended as the finale of the Sleeping Beauty erotica trilogy by Anne Recluer, or A.R. Recluer, also known as Anne Rice. So after <laughs> this book that we're reading today, which was Beauty's release... So the trilogy goes Claiming of Sleeping Beauty, Beauty's Punishment, and then Beauty's Release. And when she wrote all three books, she was going as A.R. Raclour. Nobody knew publicly that it was Anne Rice. After this book came out, she was like, surprise, it was me the whole time. So now... <laughs> bamboozled. <laughs> bamboozled. So now everyone knows it's basically the Anne Rice trilogy. I have to say... This third book was very excited to read it so that we could finish off this goddamn nightmare. Came out June 
1985. You know what else came out in June 1985? <laughs> was it you? It was me! <laughs> <laughs> It was me. So I always say that the only good thing to come out of the 80s was me. And I stand by it. Um, literature, garbage. Music, garbage. Fashion, whoa, 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 garbage. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cars, garbage. <laughs> Porsches from the 80s, throw them in the fucking river. They're garbage. <laughs> I have a lot of strong feelings about the hideousness of the 80s. But I am delighted <laughs> to say. But I'm still here and I'm still kicking. Um, and what's your stance on uh, shoulder pads? I will fuck with a shoulder pad if it has a cinched waist. So if you're giving like um, a Grace Jones, Lady Gaga extreme profile, I'm here for it. But like an okay. oversized blazer with the oversized shoulder pads. And the like oversized dress pants, like that look that's now coming back right now. I hate, I hate, I want to be cool and edgy, but I'm like, no, fashion rules matter. Tie it at the bottom, then <laughs> loose up top or vice versa. It bothers me. What is your stance? Unless, unless you're like a masculine butch lesbian, then I would look at that in a big way. Oh, frankly. I would recommend that you and our <laughs> listeners go and look up what Leah Sidou was wearing at the Cannes oh. Film Festival this year because she wore an oversized suit with her short hair. And I was like, oh, hubba hubba, do not hate. And then she took a picture with Kristen Stewart, who was wearing a Chanel suit with no shirt underneath, just tits out in a Chanel suit. And I was like, why are we not making a gay buddy movie <laughs> with these two hot ass biatches <laughs> in it? I do not know. But... <laughs> Shoulder pads. <laughs> also on principle, do you know the history of shoulder pads for women's fashion? Here's what I'm going to tell you what I think it is. And you can correct me. Perfect. If I'm wrong. I'm sure you're so right. So my mom, my mom was a working girl, not a, not like a sex worker, but like she was in the field whenever it was like the 70s and 80s. And she experienced everything from like men looking up her mini skirt as she was going upstairs, like all of it. And when I was growing up, she would tell me about the corporate world. And uh, one of the things she always talked about was like the boss women and how she said, you know, they, they looked so masculine or they looked so masculine, but they would always have these short haircuts um, with like really severe shoulder pads, which I think is like something that comes up a lot when we talk about like the 80s power suit, right? Mm -hmm. for women um and i think grace jones obviously um and literally my mom was just like describing my type but uh, <laughs> that's that's what i think is that like it was for women to have like power in their in to be more masculine but then you know fashion is political you you taught me about the pussy bow so i like my version of why shoulder pads exist. you're absolutely correct though that's 100 percent why oh. Yeah. Okay. So the reason, absolutely. So the reason why shoulder pads became uh, so commonplace for women's fashion in the 80s is one, yes, there was a spirit of excess in the 80s. So big hair, you know, if you remember from like even hip hop, like that's when big chains came out, big belts. So there was like a, a real sense of excess brass. Everything was fucking brass everywhere. Um, but in terms of women's workwear it was a hundred percent that it was we want to be taken seriously in the workplace so we have to look like men 
Um, and so that's why they were given these boxy sort of masculine suits to sort of give off the impression of like, see, I fit in. See, I don't stick out that badly. Um, yeah. So it's like interesting. Cause on the one hand it was like, yeah, women were entering these sort of male dominated fields, these like quote unquote respectable jobs. Um, and there was a spirit of excess, which is kind of on brand, but also like, I shouldn't have to dress like a man in order to be taken seriously and maybe address sexual harassment and wage discrimination at the root instead of like, <laughs> just look like us and we'll treat you the same. So that is my love hate relationship with, um, a big old shoulder pad. Yeah. But well, you know, Julie, do you know where there wasn't any shoulder pads? Where? This week's book. <laughs> no, there was not. Cause it was just a lot of naked people. Walking sure around being naked. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't even... I'll recap for you the first two books. Sleepy Beauty wakes up by being raped, depending on what viewpoint you want to have, or is woken up by a boner, whatever <laughs> makes you feel better, <laughs> and then becomes a sex slave where she is a sub who is denigrated, humiliated, and is every once in a while we're told, but it's okay, she's into it. And she has been taken with two other uh, kings or princes and such and kidnapped and taken um, across the way where she's going to be a sex slave for a sultan. So this book, which is Beauty's Release, June 1985, <laughs> when I was so released from the womb, if you will, um, she the book starts with them on a ship heading to see the sultan to be taken by the sultan frankly and she literally gets woken up from her slumber by one of her attendants who wakes her up by putting fruit inside of her which you reminded me is an element of the the other book that we read that we didn't actually talk about on the podcast so do you want to just let people know what the the fruit situation was (laughs) and honey and such (laughs) Well, she was basically turned into a human cornucopia, which I think was very festive. Um, But yes, they they shoved a ton of exotic fruit into her pussy and then had one of the other slaves eat it out of her. Um, And then in the book, uh, two books before the beauty, what is it? Beauty's captive or whatever. Um, they were putting honey on the genitals of one of the princes so that bugs would attack it. I feel like stuff on, like food on genitals um, comes into play quite a bit in these books. So. Yeah. If I had to draw up a list of the kinks of Anne Rice. Um, <laughs> draw a flowchart. <laughs> a flowchart of like, what is she clearly into? A lot of spanking. A lot of spanking. Uh, pony play. Uh, there is a word for food play, but I can't remember what it is, but there is a word for that kink. Um, and humiliation. Those are, those are really, she's got a degradation kink in a big, bad way. Uh, but yes, this book, literally page one. (laughs) And I was just, (laughs) I was just telling you before that we started recording that I was shooketh to discover that these books are available at the Ottawa Public Library. And so I just keep thinking about like, someone be like, oh, this is sweet. And then you open the first page. He put the exotic fruit inside of her cavities. I'd be like, yeah, boy, not what I remember from my childhood. I Googled it. Okay. 
and it's called Sidophilia. And if we remember back to our episode where um, we had the giants eating people, oh. and the vorophilia was a form of paraphilia, remember? Oh. My little lesson? Yes. So, so Sidophilia is arguably the most socially acceptable type of paraphilia. And that is basically you like, you know, putting whipped cream on someone's tits or something. Like, it can be that banal. Yeah. Or it could be... Anne Rice telling an attendant to wake a woman up by putting fruit inside of her vaginal canal. That's right. Which would happen here. So we have beauty. We have, I think she might mean it as Laurent, but I'm saying Laurent because I'm fucking French. Um, beauty, Laurent, and Tristan are on a boat. Tristan. Or Tristan are on a boat <laughs> sailing to the Sultan. Her tenant wakes her up by shoving some stuff up her hoo-ha. They arrive to the Sultan where attendants groom them and then they are inspected by someone called Lexius who is the Sultan's steward now I just need people to know every time I hear the word Sultan for some reason I think of Sultana raisins (laughs) (laughs) I think of Santana so like the whole time was like was it like she's so degrees of trying the midnight sun yeah like <laughs> like there's like a guitar riff Thomas and Santa. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well yeah. we have Lexius who I just pronounced as Lexus because it was easier for me um Lexus yeah. is the Sultan Stewart so we're just gonna call him Raisin <laughs> so um and Lexus who is the raisin steward is like inspecting the property basically. So now beauty is in a harem where she is at one point mounted to the cock of a brown, a bronze statue. Um, then Inanna, is that how you said her name? Inanna? Yeah. Or yeah. Inanna? Inanna? I, I, again, in my head, I was like, Inanna? Like- <laughs> yeah, pineapple. Okay, yeah. so Pineapple, um, who is Raisin's <laughs> one of many wives. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, he's, no, she was the Sultana. Yeah. She was the wife of the Sultan. Oh, yes. So she was, she was the best wife. Yes. So, okay, yes, yes. Raisin is Lexus. Okay, so yeah. So Inanna is basically the wife, uh, one of the wives of the man who owns Beauty. Um, but she is into beauty. Inanna is into her. And so they ended up fucking. And when they do, beauty realizes that Inanna has endured genital mutilation. Yeah. And I was like, remember last time? And I was like, ooh, it feels racist that they got kidnapped by a sultan (laughs) and sent. And then I'm like, oh, and then we got some female genital mutilation. Who? Okay. Okay. Um, which I found an interesting choice. One, because I was like, probably some racist subtext or definitely some xenophobia to it. But also I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is Anne's way of trying to affirm how consensual everything else is because beauty is has endured a lot of shit. But she is horrified at the thought that someone would take someone's clit off. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if this is her way of being like, see... That's actually not okay. That's torture. That's non-consensual. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so meanwhile, Tristan and Laurent are stuck in kinky all-dong orgy. So just like a gay old time. <laughs> then Laurent yeah. attacks 
Raisin, the steward, and rapes him. For a whole chapter. An entire chapter. chapter. Just rapey rape. Then Lara and Tristan continue to bang the Sultan. They continue to do all the things that the Sultan wants them to do. But on the DL, they are training Raisin to be their Mm -hmm. secret sex slave. Then, like all fairy tales, (laughs) a brave man swoops in and saves the princess. And it's the captain of the guard. So then you realize, oh, she's not actually, they're not actually being rescued. They're being brought back to their original owners. So it's like still, yeah. still indentured slavery. Um, and the captain of the guard rescues Raisin as well as Lara and Tristan and Beauty. So all of them are being sent back to the king and queen that own them. Um, because the queen it's a gross, dirty Europe, gross. Because yeah, the king and queen are like they were our property. Go and rescue them. So they do, and the queen is smitten with raisin. So she's like, I'm keeping him. Sentences Tristan and Laurent to be <laughs> service ponies. Just sends them off to be ponies for the rest of their days. <gasps> Beauty gets told. Oh, actually, you get released from slavery and you're going back to your parents uh, because they have requested you be returned uh, to marry someone. And she is so distraught. She's so upset. She's just devastated. Well, plot twist. Then Lara, his dad, who's the king, dies. So then he gets sent back home because they're like, well, we need a new king. So we're going to get him back. And in order to be a real king, he has to get married. So who does he want to marry? beauty so Mm -hmm. he marries beauty and i uh did you pick out a a piece to read renee i did okay um is it the final part it is the final part perfect because i was like that is a perfect 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 uh little thing to give them because it's actually i felt like the first time since the book started that it actually like was a fairy tale. You know what I mean? Like it's the, the trilogy oh. starts as a fairy tale for the first like 10 pages and then ends yeah. as a fairy tale for the last two pages. Um, yes. <laughs> so yeah, basically they get married and it's a literal sort of uh, happily ever after type situation for them. Mm-hmm. So um, what were your thoughts on this one? Okay. I have notes. So last week, um, I said we needed to put a pin in the bestiality thing and then we never came back to it. Um, and people have asked, a cat licked her pussy. That That's what it was. A cat licked her pussy. It was not filled with like friskies or like meow mix or anything. It was just, they. I don't know what they put on her, but the cat, it was butter. They put butter on her, on her pussy and the cat was like, yeah, 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 as cats do. Cause you know, they're fucking everywhere. Like just imagine like it's covered with cat fur after. Oh, um, <laughs> um, so that's my first thing. Um, now here are some things that happened in this book that I was not expecting. Um, there were a lot of enemas, like a lot of enemas um, for everybody. Everybody got them. And it made me feel like I'm actually really dirty because like, I'm like, my asshole's not clean. Like, <laughs> um, That was 
one thing. Um, I loved her little hissy fit when she's like, I don't want to put clothes on. Uh, like, she just reminded me of my toddlers, like, being like, no, it's like, where are your pants? She's like, I don't need them. Like, she's just so upset. Um, and something, a really, really important point about beauty we learned um, is that she doesn't want to marry anybody else because Laurent's dick is so big. So she becomes a size queen and they like and Rice really like glazes over that. But like, that's why she didn't want anybody else. Cause she's like, I miss his giant thick penis. I'm not going to find another one. Um, and, like, and then also she, she's right. Like, I mean, they are, they are hard to find far between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The biggest dicks I've seen have belonged to like the biggest assholes. So, you know, it's, it's like, all right, but, I guess I guess Laurent is different because she is here for it. I was surprised though because Laurent is like so gay, like he's so gay. I was surprised that like when he came out, he's like, "Well, better go marry a woman." Like, yeah. And I thought even in a fantasy world, you can't make it where there's a gay king. Like, come on, Anne. But again, that's 1985. Yeah. Maybe exactly. Maybe the 2015 version. She's got like out gay people. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. Laurent had nothing but gay vibes and was like full on sucking dick like a fucking champ. And oh, then was like, I'm going to marry this lady. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what else? Uh, uh, I had other things I wanted to say. Um, real sad about the genital mutilation. Yeah. But I appreciated that Beauty was like, this is not right. And I'm going to do my part. And she got her off. And then... And then no, it was like, oh my god, I didn't know I could get off. It's like now you gave her a little secret. Yes. Gave her a little secret. And I loved how many like like how rebellious they were in this book. Like they kept having little secrets to like that's how they got their power back. But like they loved being naked. They loved being worshipped. Like beauty never got beat up. Nope. Like she ne- she never got hit. And in fact, the captain of the guards like, you seriously have a lack of bruises on your body and I'm not okay with it. And she's like, hit me, daddy. And uh, he did. But nobody hit her yep. in the Middle East or or where they were. Yep. Um, you know, but she, oh, 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 I realized the thing that I wanted to tell you that I only realized reading this book. Okay. These books are about Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're about beauty. Did you notice that when it's a beauty's chapter, it's third person. But when it's a guy's chapter, it was first person. Sure did. I noticed that towards the end and I was like, holy shit. Mm. I was like, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. 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 Not not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and like this last book really wasn't beauty's story whatsoever. I really did love the chapter between her and like Anano, but like it was not it wasn't about her at all. It was, it was, this book was completely about Laurent. It absolutely like, was. Yeah. And so that was actually, yeah, that was also one of my observations that I made from this one. Also that like, yeah, that piece around, you know, the female genital mutilation, like, is it racist assumptions or, you know, was that edgy to include in 1985? And was it a way, like a tool for her to sort of drive home that, like reinforcing that beauty really did want everything to be about pleasure and consent. Um, and so that's why she was the one who was like, Whoa, this is fucked up and like, not okay. So I thought that was mm. interesting. Also um, some of the things, again, this is me as someone who 
I mean, this is the whole premise of our podcast, but as two feminists mm-hmm. who, you know, as someone with a degree in women's studies, yeah, just like as people who think about these things, like you and I do. But I thought, what an interesting. You could pull the thread in the end of her being so mad that she had to go and get married. And yes, part of it was like, I don't want to be prim and proper and wear clothes for sure. But also like Anne Rice is kind of making commentary about how like marriage is the ultimate servitude. Um, And like, that's when you actually lose your power. And that's when you actually lose... Like that's when you're actually sort of enslaved and stuck and with someone, you know, because because she just yeah. was like, oh, I don't, I want to be free, and like, yeah, it's talked about in like, I want to be free with my sexuality and I want to be free with my body and I want to be free with my nudity, but also it was just like, free, free, like I don't want to be stuck with one dude having to follow all these rules. Like I just want to be a hoe. If I want to be a hoe, let me be a hoe. And so I thought I think that's really funny when we think about back to like the last episode where I was like, maybe this was a love letter to her husband. <laughs> <laughs> and the message is, I want a divorce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> imagine at the end of the book, it's just like P.S. Bob, I'm leaving you or whatever. It was. Um, it was Stan Rice, Stan Rice and Anne Rice. Stan and Anne and they're fucking yes. Rice. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Um, but. The other thing, too, that literally made me laugh out loud because I just was like, this is, what is my fucking life? One of the fucking chapters, if you recall, is literally called, why is this so funny to me? <laughs> it's literally called Life Among the Ponies. <laughs> I know. I know. And like, like, they're so happy on the pony farm. They're that ha- like friendship is magic in the pony farm in this book. Like it is My Little Pony, oh my but God. gay. It's gay, My Little Pony. Like I have heard so much about like pony play in my <laughs> life, and like, um, oh my God, what are they called? The people that are like obsessed with My Little Pony. Um, uh, the- bronies. Bronies. Yeah. Like I've heard so yeah. much about, but like I'm like. Is this the Brony Bible? Like, I don't... Like, it should be. Because, like, there's an entire chapter. I laughed. Like, I turned the page and I literally went... Because ah! I just was like, she's not even being subtle anymore. She's just like... Life. And again, if you, like, took it out of context, it would be like, is this a David Suzuki documentary? Is David Bro going to come out and be like, life amongst the ponies? Like, I'm just like... I'm <laughs> I went full like National Geographic fucking nature documentary in my head and I could not stop laughing about it. <laughs> so yeah, they were like frolicking in the field and like Laurent and Tristan were just cranky because they were like, oh, we're like we're they were service ponies. So they had to like literally drive around with a cart <laughs> on their back and shit. But oh god. Now I'm interested to hear the feedback you've gotten because when I posted on Instagram, Oh, this is what we read for, you know, this week's podcast, the first, first time, Oh, the comments were fire and very divisive. So (laughs) I, yeah, people who were like, Oh my God, those books are fucking garbage. Those books are so bad. And then like two or three friends that were like, I loved every word. (laughs) 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 And then I'm like, you, you of all people yeah so i wonder like what what have have you heard from other people who've read them 
Um, only on um, our Instagram page. So a friend of ours, Yvonne, um, who we've known for a long time, they uh, immediately were like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, your your poor eyeballs. I'm so sorry. Um, and I thought that was a pretty great response. Other other listeners were like, yes, all right, finally. <laughs> like, they've been waiting all these seasons, and I kind of love it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of been the response. <laughs> I love so. it. Yeah. Like, I mean, admittedly, and it's funny because I was very honest in my Instagram post about how I did not enjoy it and thought it was like just such a wasted, you know, source material. And then, yeah, to have people be like, oh my God, yeah, it was the fucking worst. Followed by, followed by, <laughs> I love them so much. And I was like, oh man. Is it because you were a horny teenager in the 90s when that was all we had? Or, like, would you still love it today? I don't know. But very divisive. Well, I had that same thought today where I was like, I hated I hated these books. More than anything, the reason I hated them was that they were so repetitive. There yes! was no story. And that's why I hated it. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Like, do I love Anne Rice because I see her through the lens of like a 13 year old when she was everything to me (laughs) or like are her books really great? And I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to read some Anne Rice books. And uh, I think I've been avoiding doing that. Even though I'm a grown up now, mom, and I can do what I want. (laughs) I haven't read any Anne Rice books since I was a teenager. So I am. Uh, I'm wondering how that will go over. So I, you know, stay tuned. Yeah, <laughs> I. Um, I was sharing with you earlier today that one of my missions. So for folks who don't know, which I'm sure you figured out by now, but me and René grew up uh, in French, uh, and so there's a lot of books and classic kind of canon that I never read because it just wasn't on my radar and you know I don't want to speak for you but I come from a very very blue collar working class family I'm the first university educated person in my family so like you know my family was very much like very encouraging of my love of reading and bought me you know the scholastic book fair I always got to buy a book and like they were very encouraging of me doing these things but like they didn't have those points of reference either because they were also French. So like they didn't grow up reading it and stuff. So there's so much stuff that I only read as an adult. Like I hadn't read Catcher in the Rye until a few years ago. I'd never read, um, oh, where's the one where like the kids are running out on the island, killing each other and shit. Um, uh, oh fuck. Um, I know what you're talking Oh my about. God. As if I'm drawing a complete blank and I can see, yeah, like, I can see the Salinger, right? Salinger. No, that's, that's Catcher in the Rye. That's Catcher in the Rye. It's got the fucking bleeding pig on the, the cover. Anyways. Um, well, the, the TV adaptation was called Yellow Jackets, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow Jackets is incredible, and I cannot recommend it enough. Oh, Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Yes. It just came to me. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all of these sort of things that I had never read growing up, and one of them is, you know, I'd never read Frankenstein, and you're like, you know, the goth mom who's like, girl, get on it. Um, you know, never read any like Bronte, but also never read any Anne Rice except for these. And so I was like, is this the moment where I need, like, is this the year that I have to read Interview with the Vampire? Like, would you, you know say what? that I've that's I've never the- read. Oh. I've never read it. Oh. No, but I did have a VHS copy of <laughs> Interview with the Vampire that I got at like, like a bargain bin when I was visiting my dad. And it was like contraband. My mom would not <gasps> have let me keep it. 
And it was like the like anniversary edition that had all the like the extras where Anne Rice was like being interviewed for it and stuff. And um, I had watched it so many times in secret that I remember I would be like on AOL or like AIM, like <laughs> chatting with strangers. And then I was just like saying the whole thing off by heart <laughs> with the TV playing because I knew every line of that movie. I loved it so much, but I've never read the book. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, so maybe we could read it at the same time and just like chat about it later. Oh my but. God, a hundred percent because I, yeah, I, I missed that completely. Like she's, I've read my first Stephen King, like not that long ago, like just all this stuff that I never read. So I will absolutely read an Anne Rice uh, because I, I got to know the hype because I'm not getting, I'm not understanding the hype from these fucking books. I'll tell you that right quick. But did you ever watch interview? I did, but like a year ago, like it was during the pandemic. Oh, okay. And I could not get over how gay that movie is. Um, yes, and ooh, I will say too that gay. I know in the in the book that it's there's like actually like I believe a love affair between Louis and Claudia, oh. which I didn't really make it into the movie so much. Because like that would have been really weird to have like Bibi Kirsten Dunst like yeah, yeah. pumping um, Brad Pitt, but uh, I think that's something that happens in the book a bit more. Oh, yeah, it's just sort of like implied that they're pals in the the movie, which for obvious yeah. reasons, as you said. Also, that the um, cast of that movie is so stacked, so good, I and know. the fact that Kirsten Stewart, uh, Kristen Stewart, Kristen Dunst is like one of the best ones and she's like 10 and it's like she's oh acting gosh, opposite incredible. brad pitt and fucking tom cruise. tom cruise oh my god i couldn't i was that's probably my biggest takeaway when i watched it i was like oh my god anyone who thinks that like kirsten dunn's can't act is an idiot oh, because she's yeah. so young in this movie and she's holding her own in a big way um, you know what? I actually don't like Tom Cruise as an actor. I don't. Genuinely. I, I think he's out. bland. As He's so bland. Get I don't out. care. I liked Top Gun and like that's it. Get like top, out. Like that was a good age for him. But I liked him as Lestat even though Anne Rice did not like that version of Lestat. And in the movie Queen of the Damned which is basically just a big commercial. Um, hated it. Um, R.I.P. Aaliyah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the book was fantastic. I thought the book was outstanding. Um, but that version of Lestat is more true to Anne Rice's vision of Lestat. Oh. Yeah, See, fun facts. I think every person gets to have a few celebrities that they just get to be their problematic fave, regardless of what they do, their garbage character. I think we just need to be honest. Like I'm all about purity of politics. <laughs> I'm all about being standing by my morals, but I really think everyone gets a handful of celebrities that they just get to endorse no matter what. And mine is Tom Cruise. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why I will defend that man for not defend him. Like he's a monster in many ways, but I just think he's such a snack. And because he's pocket sized, you can't help. Oh, oh, fuck. He's so tiny. And he doesn't even like tall women. Like he made Nicole Kibben not wear heels the whole time they were married. Like, so he wouldn't enjoy me or my company, but oh, goddamn, I will watch the shit out of anything that man is in. Um, and that movie is no <laughs> exception. I think he's so delicious and Top Gun. He's like peak hotness, but also the appeal of Top Gun is Val Kilmer is peak hotness in that movie. 
Mm-hmm. Yum, yum. I just I don't think I don't think Tom Cruise is handsome. Oh well, that is where we differ. No, he's not. Ne- you know what he? Like if I had if I had to watch Rain Man again and pick between him and Dustin Hoffman, I would go with Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> like if I if I had to pick. Oh no, I would sit I would on Tom Cruise's Dustin. face from the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands. Now he does all his own stunts, which are just wickety whack. Um. And I just he's aged well. I'll give him that. Yeah, and I he's just, just I, to me, he's just he's a Hollywood like he's a movie star in the traditional sense of the word. And there's like very few of those these days. So I think I just have, I think yeah. Every year when the or not every year, but every time a Mission Impossible movie comes out, I like push people out of the way to go to the theater and see it. Like I'm like <laughs> jump out of a plane, you fucking middle aged man. Like I can't get enough of it. I just can't. So, anyways, I did watch i don't even know what what compelled me i think it was having a conversation with someone who was like you've never seen interview with the vampire and i was like no i've also never seen bram stoker's dracula what what oh my god cancel plans with your brother right now we're watching that tonight (laughs) tonight it's a masterpiece oh my god gary oldman Holy shit. It's so good. What? Cancel. Okay. Show is finished. We're, we're getting off this call right now. But think about you it. Got, I, Gary Oldman, you got Winona. You got Keanu. It's so good. <laughs> but again. I want to cry right now. What? I also told her, just listeners, I also told Renee earlier today that I've never seen Sound of Music. And so I think she's I don't still, even care. She hasn't recovered from all of the injuries that I've put on her today. No, Bram Stoker's Dracula is beautiful it's beautiful that book that i read about like the vampires mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. that it's based on the like vampire harem in the movie it's beautiful like the costumes are beautiful i read it's beautiful the fucking beautiful i can't believe you haven't watched it but think about I'm, it like, renee pained. i am a soon-to-be 37-year-old woman who is still sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops. When I was a child, I was even more so. And so when those movies came out, I was like, they're too scary. Like, I just oh. didn't watch scary shit. I wasn't into scary shit. I didn't care about zombies or Dracula or fucking vampires. Like, oh none God. of that shit appealed to me. None of it. I was just like, nope. Julie, there is a scene in Bram Stoker's Dracula where Gary Oldman is dressed up in a fur bat suit. And he is going down on the Mina character in a fucking graveyard. And <laughs> it is everything. It's everything. Julie. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint oh, you. Oh, my God. Are, are we, do we plan this weekend? Are we watching this movie? Cancel your plans. We're watching some movies. <laughs> well... This is, this is, this, oh. yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm new to the world of the occult, apparently, because I've never read Anne Rice, never read Frankenstein, yeah. never. Have you read, have you read Dracula? No. Oh, Julie. Julie Lalonde. <laughs> oh, Schmallow. I'm new. This is, you're right. We would not have been friends. <laughs> oh, no, we would not have been. I, we would have been nice to each other, but more just like. You'd be like, be like, have you read The Handmaid's Tale? <laughs> and I'd be like. Have you read Frankenstein? <laughs> like fucking nerds. God. Fucking nerds. We were both theater kids. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, aye, aye, aye. So going back to our hot mess <laughs> express from this week, do you want to read us the little finale to really tie a bow on this bitch? I really do. 
what voice am I giving beauty? Oh, I haven't even thought yeah, about it. Because she's a, like, she wasn't even there for a year. She's 15 years old. Oh, sweet child. Okay, I got it. <clears throat> Are you ready? How ready as will ever be. Buckle up. Um. Oh, this chapter is in first person, so you know it's from that. <sighs> yep. You got to finish the book, piece of shit. Piece of goddamn shit. Okay. Um. I'm the voice for him is going to be somebody who knows they have a giant penis. <laughs> I want some B D E in your voice. <laughs> All right. Here we go. She was sitting at the window with her back to the room, and she was singing softly to herself and her hair gathering the sunlight to it looked like spun gold. My sweet darling, the dress she wore was rose-colored velvet trimmed in carefully embroidered leaves of silver. And how finely it fitted her magnificent little shoulders and arms, arms as juicy as the rest of her, I thought. So sweet to squeeze those little arms and let me see the breasts, please, immediately, and those eyes, that spirit. Again, the invisible and completely imaginary blow to my chest. I crept up behind her, and just as she gave a start, I clamped my gloved hands over her eyes. Who dares to do this? She whispered. It had a frightened, imploring sound. Quiet, princess, I said. Your lord and master is here. This suitor you will not dare to refuse. Laurent? She gasped. I let her go, and she rose and turned and threw herself into my arms. I kissed her a thousand times, all but bruising her lips. She was as gorgeous and pliant as she had been in the hold of the ship, as succulent and feverish and wild. Lauren, you haven't really come with an offer of marriage, have you? Offer, princess, I said. I come with a command. I forced her lips wide with my tongue, my hands squeezing her breasts hard through the velvet. You will marry me, princess. You will be my queen and my slave. Oh, Lauren, I never dared dream of this moment, she said. Her face was beautifully flushed, her eyes gleaming. I could feel her heat through the skirts against my leg. And the surge of love came again, overwhelming and mingled with a maddening sense of possession and power. It made me hold her very tight. Go tell your father you will be my bride, and we will leave now for my kingdom, and then come back to me. At once she went to a bay, and when she came back, she closed the door after her and stared at me uncertainly, shrinking back against the wood. Bolt the door, I said. We will ride out in a manner of moments, and I will save the having of you for my royal bed, but I want to prepare you for the journey properly. Do as I say. She slid the bolt into place. She was the picture of loveliness as she approached. I reached into my pocket and drew out a pair of the gifts that I had brought with me from Queen Eleanor, two small gold clamps. Beauty lifted the back of her hand to her lips. Charming, but futile, I smiled. Don't tell me I'm going to have to train you all over again, I said, winking at her and kissing her quickly. I slipped my hand into her tight bodice and clamped the nipple firmly. Then I clamped the other. A shudder passed up through her torso to her open mouth. Such gorgeous distress. I took another pair of clamps from my pocket. Spread your legs, I said. I knelt and gathered up her skirt and reached up until I felt the wet, naked little sex. How hungry it was. How ready. Oh, she was such a splendid darling, and one glimpse of her radiant face peering down at me, and I should go mad. I applied the clamps carefully to the moist, secret lips. Lauren, she whispered, you are merciless. 
She was already in appropriate misery, half afraid, half dazed. I could scarcely resist her. Now I drew out a small vial of amber-colored liquid, one of Queen Eleanor's most important gifts. I opened the vial and savored the spicy aroma, but I must use it sparingly. After all, my tender little darling was not a strong, muscular pony used to such things. What is it? Shh, I touched her lips. Don't tempt me to whip you until I have had my bedchamber, and I can do it properly. Be quiet. I tipped the vial and poured a bit of its contents on my gloved finger, and then I raised Beauty's skirt again and smoothed the fluid over her little clitoris, her trembling lips. Oh, Lauren, it's... She flew into my arms and I held her. How she was suffering, trying not to squeeze her legs together, shivering. Yes, I told her, holding her. This was pure sweetness, and it will itch in a manner all the way to my castle, at which time I shall lick it off every last droplet of it and take you as you deserve. She moaned, her hips twisting in spite of herself, and the itching potion did its work, her breasts rubbing against my chest as if I could somehow save her, her mouth on mine. Lauren, I can't bear it, she said, breathing the words through her kisses. Lauren, I'm dying for you. Don't make me suffer very long, please. Lauren, you mustn't. Shh, it's out of your hands, I said lovingly. Once again, I reached into my pockets and drew out a delicate little harness with a phallus attached. She put her hands to her lips as I unfolded the phallus, her eyebrows coming together in a panic-stricken little frown. But she didn't resist as I knelt to slip the phallus into her little bottom to secure it well in her anus and strap the harness around her thighs and waist. Of course, I could have put the itching fluid on the phallus, but that would have been too harsh. And this was only the beginning, wasn't it? Time enough for that. Come, darling, let's go, I said as I rose. She was radiant and utterly compliant. I gathered her up and carried her out of the parlor and down the stairs to the courtyard, where her horse was waiting with its ornate sa side saddle ready in place. But I didn't place her on the horse. I seated her on my mount before me, and as we rode off into the forest, I slipped my hand under her skirts and touched the straps of the little harness and the wet, tender little part of her that was mine now all mine, clamped and itching with desire and ready for me, and I knew I possessed a slave whom no queen or lord or lady or captain of the guard could ever take away from me again. This was the real world then, beauty and I free to have each other and all the others gone, just the two of us in my bedchamber where I should envelop her naked soul in rituals and ordeals beyond our past experiences, our dreams. No one to save her from me, no one to save me from her. My slave, my poor helpless slave, I stopped suddenly, the blow to them at the chest again. I knew I had gone pale. What's wrong, Lauren? She said in alarm. She held tight to me. Panic, I whispered. No, she gasped. Oh, don't worry, my tender sweetheart. I shall beat you soundly enough when we reach home and adore doing it. I'll make you forget the captain of the guard and the crown prince and everyone who's ever had you, used you, satisfied you. But it's just, just that I'm going to grow to love you so. I looked at her upturned face, her savage eyes, her little body writhing beneath the rich, rich gown. Yes, I know, she said in a small, shuddering voice, and she sealed her mouth on mine, and in a soft, heated whisper, she said slowly, thoughtfully, I'm yours, Lauren, and yet I don't even know the meaning of the words yet. Teach me the meaning. It's only the beginning. It shall be the worst and most hopeless captivity of all. If I didn't stop kissing her, we wouldn't have made it to the castle, and the woods were so nice and dark, and she was suffering, my precious one. And we shall live happily ever after, I said through my kisses, as the fairy tales say. Yes, happily ever after, she answered, and a good deal happier, I think, than anyone else could ever 
guess. And that was Pony Spank 2, Atlas Shrugged. Thank you. <laughs> oh. So for diehards who interpret and do like we do and unpack everything, the last sentence is sort of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge that they are going to continue their kinky lifestyle, which Ms. Anne Recluer picks up 30 years later when she writes Beauty's Kingdom, which released in 2015, which we will read next because we are dedicated to entertaining the masses, even to our own detriment. I'm actually, like I said, very curious to see what yes. the hell this is going to look like. But yes, there is one more in our quartet before we Ugh. move away from Anne Rice. <laughs> I hope it's 30 years in the future. Lauren is dead. Beauty's a widow. And she leans into it. She fucks ghosts. She goes full lesbian. She gets a nana back. And like she just goes to town on that bitch. And that's what I want. I want this to be just a lesbian bank fest, frankly. 100%. Um, I doubt it. I doubt it. But, um, you know. A girl can dream. A girl. I mean, yeah. this is a fantasy after all. So <laughs> Anne, Anne wants fantasies of spanking and pony play and cornucopias. And we're like. Could there be lesbianism and consent and a little bit of misandry? <laughs> Give me a sapphic beauty. Like, that's what I want. I I'm want sad. spinning wheels in every corner. But <laughs> uh, instead of like, in there, there's like a big honking dildo. Like, that's. Oh, yes. Really Give me a I fuck want. machine from this fucking 14th <laughs> yeah. century or whatever the hell this thing was set there's in. There's like an, like, like fucking Angelina Jolie is Maleficent. They're pounding the <laughs> pedal for the. <laughs> For the spinning wheel, and people are like, oh my god, it is awesome. I'm just a sex machine. Yeah, I love this so much. (laughs) I hope hope there is a Maleficent character. Oh my god, I hope so too. I hope there's no kids. Like, I I don't want, there doesn't need to be children in this kingdom. Yeah. I hope she's barren. I hope, yeah, I hope that just, well, and I mean, at this point, the woman was like, banged a gajillion times over three <laughs> books and never got pregnant once so julie she might have not even had her menses yet oh yeah gosh cause... think about it oh maybe that's why oh god no yeah. i can't that's too upsetting i gotta believe that her and lara are gonna be childless by choice and or just barren wombed yeah. and they're just gonna take things down to pound town I mean, they never even, like, they talked about animas a lot in this book and never once mentioned, like, her monthly visit. Like, mm. Yeah. Because you know in that kingdom or that village, there's, like, a blood freak, right? Because well, it's an Anne Rice book. A hundred percent. And also, like, to take the time to be like, we had to clean out our butts so that we could eat each other's butts, but not talk about menstruation. It's like, in a fantasy world, we don't bleed, but we do shit. Like, I was like, come on, Anne. Go all the way. <laughs> she obviously maybe didn't have her have her period yet, or she had a witchy version of like an IUD in like thirteen ten or whatever when this book is set, and that's what happened. Can you can you get wet if you haven't had your period? That's a great question. No, because they also talk need- about their pubes and shit. So no, she's definitely yeah. But you can have pubes and not have had your period yet. Yeah, but like, no, we're going to run on the assumption that she's definitely, yeah, because she's got like boobs and 
pubes. You can be and- prepubescent and have those things. At not have had 16, pain. though? She's not. She's 15. Still, 15 is real late. See, baby. Like, she could have been, yeah, but, but it's medieval era. Okay, we need all the doctors that listen to this show. <laughs> what is the likelihood that a 15-year-old had never had her period back in the day? You know, I have a friend who is a doctor, and I might hit her up and, Perfect. Just, and get some answers, and I will do my best to bring them to you on the show next week. Because you're the queen oh. of sleuths, and I love that about Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, why I haven't caught more murderers, I don't know. <laughs> you're still on the prowl. Yeah. Maybe you um, are a murderer, Renee. You're just gonna throw me under the bus like that? <laughs> it's like you the, have it's like, people I thought you were gonna talk in my defense. It's like the jinx, like right at the end of, of the three episodes. Fuck, I love the jinx. <laughs> so do I. Listeners, if you've never watched the documentary series The Jinx, it's, it's I mean it's a plot twist. Don't, even, don't ruin it. No, there's just a plot yeah. twist that you like literally M. Night Shyamalan couldn't have written better, and it's a fucking documentary. But anyways, that's, yeah, I you're just, gonna hold onto your seat like the fucking Maxwell cassette tape guy. That's a throwback, <laughs> and be like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> for the for the millennial listeners out there, you know what I'm talking about. I 100 uh, when that particular scene happens in the Jinx, I literally got up and started pacing up and down my living room and was like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" You know what it gave me memories of? Something that is controversial because very few people were also scared by it. But I am, to this day, deeply, deeply haunted by the final scene in the Blair Witch Project. When he is standing in the corner, whoo, gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Oh my God, Renee, I'm talking top three most terrifying things that's ever happened to me, and I literally survived an attempted murder. Like, I can't even tell you how fucking scary that scene is. Whoo. Anyways, you know what? That's I, I was yeah. Whew. Anyways, that's I've almost the had like a child abducted, and mm-hmm. I've lived through scary things, but nothing has scared me more than the like 1970s classic Watcher in the Woods with um, where like a bell falls on a child and she's trapped in a mirror world for 30 years. That's my greatest fear. That's why I don't go into abandoned churches because you never know. Oh my never god. Know. A bell could just fall right on you and you could be in another dimension for a long time. That sounds horrific. Thank yeah. you for that image. And it's a, it's a Disney movie. Night. What? <laughs> yeah, it's a Disney movie. I have it on VHS. Um <laughs> Of course you do. We'll come back to that. I don't have a VCR though. Uh I do. So together we can watch <laughs> it. <laughs> bring your DVD, bring your VHS the next time you come to Ottawa and we'll get my VCR well. going. Nice, nice. Okay, it's a date. Perfect. Ah, and we have a date next week with book four. Uh, we will the finish we the can move on. Yes, we will move on. We will take a break from fairy tales and Anne Rice. Yes. I mean, speak for yourself. But, um, <laughs> do you want to sing us out? Sure do, man. Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS the number two J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.